in the days in which we live. I want to talk to you about the light of the world. The light of the world. And let's read Luke chapter 2, verse 25, starting there. I'm going to read about an older man named Simon. Simeon, rather. Simeon. And let's read what the Bible says about him. It gives us a little biographical sketch of him. At that time, there was a man named Simeon living in Jerusalem. He was a good man, God-fearing, and was waiting for Israel to be saved. The Holy Spirit was with him. Wouldn't you love that to be said about you? And it can be, of course. But the Holy Spirit was with him. That's key. Holy Spirit was with him and had assured him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's promised Messiah. Well, now that's a personal word. You're not going to die until you personally look at the Messiah. Now it says, led by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus into the temple to do for him what the law required, Simeon took the child in his arms gave thanks to God. He said, Now, Lord, you have kept your promise, and you may let your servant go in peace, because with my own eyes I have seen your salvation. Wow. Which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light. Everybody say a light. A light. A light for what? To reveal your will to the Gentiles and bring glory to your people Israel. So when you talk about the Gentiles and Israel, you're talking about the whole world. Joseph and Mary were amazed at the things Simeon said about Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that today you will help us to get a handle on your being the light of the world like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're called to glow in the dark. <laughs> now that's where I'm headed with this message. I want to establish two things in this message. First of all, Jesus is the light, the only light, the true light of the world. Second thing I want to establish is we are supposed to, in turn, be lights in this world. And this is really a kind of a New Year's message because no church that doesn't shine is going to make any difference for this culture in this country at all in 2015. We've got to shine boldly, brightly, courageously against um, resistance, against persecution. The church is called to shine, not to hide it. So here we have the Christmas story continuing with this event that Mary and Joseph have bundled up their six-week-old baby boy, and they're making a trip from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. Now, they were going there to honor the law of Moses and present the, their firstborn son to the Lord. They presented Jesus to the Lord, just like we dedicate babies to the Lord here in this church. And they were also going to make a sacrifice for Mary's purification as the law of Moses required. And then, in the midst of all this, enter Simeon, this older man, Simeon. Now, I don't call him an old man. The older I get, I don't call somebody old. I call him older. 
just so you'll get it. Now we're told that Simeon was a righteous man. We're told he was God-fearing. And here's the thing. We're told the Holy Spirit was with him. This is prior to Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had selected this man to confirm Bible prophecy. He had sovereignly laid his hand on this man. Simeon knew the Holy Spirit. He knew his nudgings. He knew his voice. He knew him. And the Holy Spirit had made an astonishing and remarkable promise to him. Simeon, you may be older, but you're not going to die until your eyes have, have looked at personally the Messiah of the world the Savior, the Redeemer, the one that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel prophesied of, all the minor prophets prophesied of, Abraham and Moses prophesied of. You are going to see him. Now, God laid his hand on him, as I said, so that he could be an affirmer and a confirmer of who Jesus was. So, I read in here that apparently it was not on his mind when he woke up that morning to go to the temple He wasn't thinking about going to the temple. Matter of fact, I don't think he would have gone if the Holy Spirit had not nudged him. Because the Bible says, led by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple. Oh, folks, I read that. And I got to tell you, just a little side note, how important it is that we obey the nudges of the Spirit of God. Because here he is, he wakes up, you know, and and he's on in years and no telling what he was thinking about doing this day, but the Spirit of God came upon him. And the Spirit of God said, go to the temple. It was a nudge. It was that inner prompting. And little did he know that obeying that little inner prompting, that still small voice that day, brought him into direct contact with God wrapped in flesh. And he walked onto the pages of Scripture when he obeyed the Spirit of God that day. And folks, sometimes the slightest nudge leads to the biggest doors, the most amazing opportunities. God does not usually shout. He usually talks in that still small voice. Go, don't go. Say it, don't say it. Step out, go. And you do it and you have a confrontation with God. And the same way the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he speaks to you. You have no need that any man teach you, but the same anointing that you have received teaches you all things and brings to your mind, uh, to your remembrance, all things that Jesus said. We have a teacher inside of us. We have a supernatural guide inside of us, and, and, and we know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice, and they obey me. So he goes into the temple knowing I better not ignore this one. Who knows? This could be the day. Who knows? This could be the day. So I'm not going to ignore it. And he walked in, and and, and he was already there when Mary and Joseph walked in. He's standing around wondering, I wonder why God told me to come today. And, And in walked Mary and Joseph with a little baby, and he took one look at that little baby, and something in him rose up and said, take him in your arms. This is so powerful. Take him in your arms. So I think he probably walked up to Mary and said, you know, excuse me, I don't mean to spook you or anything, but may I hold your baby? And he didn't look so bad. He's a righteous man. Mary was no dummy. He looked harmless. And besides, all kinds of strangers had already been to see Jesus. 
the shepherd showed up on the night he was born. Said, hey, we had a visitation from angels. And they told us where we would find him. So they received them as strangers. So they're used to strangers coming and not just saying, oh, what a cute little baby. But saying incredible things, prophetic things, Bible things, powerful things about this baby, about this child, that he was God's son. So she handed him over. And the Bible says, he took him up in his arms. And as soon as he took him into his arms, it was like a light came off on the inside of him. And the Holy Spirit said, this is the one you've been waiting for. This is the one I told you about. This is the one. Now I want you to proclaim it. I want you to say what I'm telling you to say about this child. And so here's what he said. Now, Lord, he looked up and he began to pray with Mary and Joseph. Here they are right there watching him. And everybody else in the temple now is tuned in, keyed in, paying attention. And he says, now, Lord... You have kept your promise and you may let your servant go in peace because with my own eyes, I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now look the way he describes him, a light, a light to reveal your will to the Gentiles and bring glory to your people, Israel. He described him as a light. Now the Bible describes Jesus in many ways, Redeemer, Messiah, the way, the truth, the life, the good shepherd. There are many, many ways that Jesus is described. But one of the main ones in the Bible is as a light. He's a light, a light that shines in the dark. Listen to what John wrote about him in John's gospel. One of my favorite passages, John chapter 1, listen to what he said. The word Jesus, capital W, was the source of life. Life came from him. And this life brought light. Say with me, life brings light. light. Now he's not talking about physical light. He's talking about spiritual light, the light of truth, the light of God, the light of life. The light shines in the darkness, John says, and I love this, and the darkness has never put it out. And it was so in John's day and it's so in our day. They may try to put him down. They may try to take him away. But the darkness never prevails over the light. The only reason there's darkness anywhere is there's an absence of light. If you bring light into a dark room, the darkness flees. And so it is with spiritual light. When spiritual light comes on, darkness must flee. And, and that's what's happening here. So he says, he says of Jesus, this was the real light. He wasn't phony. He wasn't fake. He wasn't empty religion. He was the real, true, genuine deal. Real light. The light that comes into the world, John said, and shines on all people. He's shining in here right now. He's shining on that camera, I'm looking at some people right now watching. He's shining where you are. As you hear the word of God, you're, you're, you're being flooded with light because thy word is truth, the Bible says. And Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And where his life is, there is light. Amen. Amen. Now, handing the baby back to Mary, Simeon knew, hey, my long wait is over. Having seen the light of the world, He could now depart the world in peace, the same peace the angel talked to the shepherds about when they said glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. You see, Jesus brought life. He brought light. 
He brought peace. He brought reconciliation. He brought healing. He brought deliverance. My Bible says that he came with the express purpose of destroying the works of the devil, which are always dark. He dispels darkness. Now, next, Simeon turned to Mary and Joseph, and he went on to say some things by the Spirit of God. He said that in the same way that a bright light, when it shines, it always causes a shadow. It always casts a shadow when a bright light shines. And so he said in the same way, this child, this Messiah, your son, many are going to rejoice over him, and that's the light. They're going to see the light and they're going to rejoice over him. But then there's going to be a shadow cast because many will reject him and that's the shadow. That's the darkness. As a matter of fact, many will hate him. And and Simeon wanted them to understand this man, this son of yours, this Messiah is going to bring a sword. Not like the followers of Muhammad do or like Muhammad himself did, not a physical sword, but even Jesus said, don't imagine that I came to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, please understand, if you come to him, he gives peace in your heart. When you make peace with God, you receive the peace of God. But he's talking about his gospel will not bring peace in this respect. Those who reject him will go to battle against those who receive him. There will be persecution in the world. Everywhere you go, people will not be thrilled to hear you talking about Jesus. He said, I came not to bring peace but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. In other words, there are going to be members of a family who will receive him, And then because they receive him, there will be other members of the family who will be angry they did so and don't want to hear it and want you to shut up. And it brings a sword. It brings a sword. The gospel can bring a divisive sword to the home, and I've personally experienced that abundantly in my own extended family. Because when I began to talk about Jesus, there were people that weren't thrilled to hear it. And I had to keep on talking. And there was a while there I wanted to be quiet because it caused so much trouble. But then the Lord said to me, they're not being quiet about their sin, so why should you be quiet about me? So I I started talking. And it still gets me in trouble. Got in trouble doing that this week. But but you know what? I don't do it obnoxiously. I don't do it like na-na-na-na-na-na. I have the truth and you don't. It's not like that. I just testify and I tell the truth in love, and it doesn't always score me points with the crowd that's there. But that's all right. Because I'm called to glow in the dark. And so are you. We're called to glow in the dark. We're not just called to glow here. Here we're in the light. We're called to glow where it's dark. So the gospel brings a divisive sword. And this child, said Simeon, would bring light into the darkness and there would be those who would do their best to get rid of him and stifle those who stand for him. Now I'm going to give you a little New Year's prediction early. I believe that those churches and those Christians that seek the Lord in 2015 are going to be blessed of God. But it's going to be with persecution. I want, to know, I want you to know, church, that it's time to get a spine. 
It's time for us to get a spine. We've had it easy in America for decades and decades, really for a couple of centuries. It's been easy to be a Christian, but it's getting a little hotter out there. And I think it's going to do a little bit of sifting. And I want to tell you ahead of time that even though some persecution arises, that Peter said the spirit of God and of glory rests upon you if you are persecuted for the name of Christ. It's time to stand for him and perform for him and don't care what other people say. If, listen, everything in the world is coming out of the closet out there. Why don't we come out of the closet? We're living in a culture right now where there's an active, organized, concerted effort to put Jesus out. If you're not aware of that, I don't know where you are, but let me make you aware today. It's a concerted effort to get Jesus out, out of public schools, out of universities, out of the military, out of the sports arenas, and amazingly, out of Christmas. How do you take Christ out of Christmas? But there's an attempt to do it. So when Kathy and I go into a store and they say happy holidays, we say we would have bought something here. But we wish you would say Merry Christmas. Well, I was told to say happy holidays. Well, you can say Merry Christmas to us. Or we're going to say it to you. Merry Christmas. As a matter of fact, let me get it off my chest. Merry Christmas. How crazy is that? Christmas, it's Christ's birthday. And they love making money off of him, but not talking about him. Well... Jesus was well aware that this would happen, and he said, here is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light. They loved darkness because what they did was evil. So it's those who have chosen the darkness of sin and don't want to let go of it that come against the brightness of the light. And Jesus said, that's going to be the judgment. That's the judgment that you love your darkness more than light. I hope that's nobody in here. I hope there's room for him in your heart. I hope you're not rejecting Jesus to hold on to some dark thing. He loves you today. And Simeon, he added an addendum directed right at Mary. He looked right at her and said, and by the way, your son's confrontation with the darkness is also personally going to bring pain to your heart. He put it this way. A sword will pierce your own soul. And notice he didn't say body. He said soul. A sword of heartbreak is going to pierce your own soul. Because Mary, this cuddly, baby, beautiful Jesus you're holding is going to grow up. And he's going to confront the darkness. And when he confronts the darkness, Mary, they're going to take him. And they're going to crucify him. And Mary, you don't know it now, but you're going to be there and you're going to see it. And when you see your son hanging out on that cross, it's going to pierce your soul like a dagger. But it's going to happen, Mary, so the thoughts of many can be revealed. So, Mary, I'm just letting you know, you're going to pay a price for giving birth. And folks, we will pay a price for walking with Jesus like we should. Those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but that's all right. Again, the spirit of God and the spirit of glory rests upon you. See what America needs today, folks, is red hot, Holy Spirit, devil stomping, Christ exalting Christians who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Not ashamed. 
Jesus was born in a cradle, headed for a cross, destined for a crown. When I see the manger, I see a cross, but it's for me. It's a beautiful cross. I was a 16-year-old juvenile delinquent sitting in jail when I first heard about that cross, heard about Christ for the first time in my life. And now to me, that cross, as I showed you last week, it goes horizontal, it goes vertical. For me, when I see it this way, like that big cross we've got right out there on the property, when I see this, it's like God's open arms saying, come unto me, all you labor, who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Let me hug you, let me embrace you, let me take you to myself. It's a cross of love. People say, I don't know how there can be a God with all the war and all the rape and all the pillage and all the trouble in this world. And I always want to say, I, I can show you his love. Look at that cross. There at the cross where Jesus, the only begotten son of God, stretched out his arms and feet and allowed them to nail him to a tree. And God took him there and put him there for our sins, your sins, and mine. And that is why it's a beautiful cross. Because when you run to it and say, God, forgive me, he embraces you. And when he embraces you, he takes your hand and God's hand and puts them together. And that's where the vertical part comes in. Because if you let him embrace you this way, he takes you this way. And he lets you embrace him. He, he, we are reconciled to God. And oh man, when you get the peace of God, you have peace with God. You get the peace of God. Thank God for God's peace. Now darkness in people's lives can differ. And let me just quickly talk about that darkness Jesus came to dispel. If you were to ask some people, tell me about your darkness. What is the darkness you deal with? Here's what some would say to you if they didn't understand spiritual darkness. Here's what they would say. Well, for me, it's the lack of food, lack of water, lack of health care. There's millions of people in America that would say, that's my darkness. That's what I deal with. I have children that have nothing to eat or drink. I have, I'm sick and there's no medicine. That's my darkness. To a person in a war-torn country, the darkness is the killing, the raping, the plundering that happens in a civil war. And they would say, I live with this every single day, and I'm so sick of bloodshed, and that's my darkness. For another person, and there's lots of these, struggling with an illness, losing the struggle, having to go into a nursing home or live with pain every day, sometimes all day, say, that's my darkness. And I really deal with that. For others, darkness is an addiction, something you just can't seem to shake. Or it's an unhappy relationship, or it's a recurrent depression. That what, what Churchill used to call the black dog, that depression. It won't lift off of me. I don't know how to deal with it. And that's my darkness. That's what I deal with. And for others, especially this time of year, it's the darkness. Your darkness is the death of a loved one. You've lost somebody. And this brings it up this time of year more than anything else. And you're struggling just to get past Christmas. And you don't like it because it brings back so many memories. And if I were to say to you, what's your darkness? You would say, that's it. That's my darkness. But let me tell you what Jesus said was our universal darkness. He said, the darkness, the real darkness, the reason I came is the darkness inside of us. And it's called sin. You know what breaks my heart? There's so many churches that won't even say that word anymore. How crazy is that? If a doctor doesn't tell you you've got cancer, how are you ever going to fight it? And it's going to eventually kill you. See, death is the, or, or sin is the universal 
plague that every man, woman, and child have experienced and have and, 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 and obey until they're saved. The darkness of sin affects every moment of every day and it infects every word and every action, sin. You know, Pastor Jeff, I don't feel that I'm bad. I'm not calling you bad. I'm not here to beat you down. But I am here to identify and diagnose a disease, and it's called sin. S-I-N, sin. The middle letter is I, and sin is all about me, me wanting to do my own thing and break the laws of God in doing it. Sometimes the darkness of sin is so much a part of our way of living that we don't even recognize it as wrong anymore, and that's where our nation is. Our nation needs a great big dose of the light of God, the light of God. Because it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not any righteous, no, not one. We've all turned aside. We've all gone our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity, not of some of us, but of us all. All of us took Jesus to the cross. The good news is that Simeon saw in the baby Jesus a light that would bring salvation to everybody trapped in darkness. His light were his words of truth. His light was his character. You want to know what God is like? Jesus said, look at me. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I told the first service, I said, either he was paranoid, schizophrenic, saying that, a lunatic, or he was real. Because he said, hey, you want to know what God is like? You think he's this and you think he's that? You think he's just some mean ogre up in the sky? Or you think he's off flinging other stars in space and doesn't care about you? He said, you want to know what God is like? Look at me. Watch me. Look at my words. Look at the way that I love people. Look at the way that I move among people. Look at how I am sacrificial. Look at how I'm unselfish. Watch me and you have seen God. I am an imprint. I am, I am a reflection that is perfect in reflecting God. That's the light. Isaiah the prophet said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And the light of Jesus Christ is powerful in so many ways. Where there is the darkness of guilt, oh, here's the good news, the darkness of tormenting guilt that won't leave you alone, Jesus shines on it and brings forgiveness. Where there is despair, Jesus shines on it and brings hope. Where there is weakness, Jesus shines on it and gives strength. Where there's anxiety and worry, Jesus shines on it and brings peace. Where there is sickness and grief, he shines on it with the comforts of God and the healing of the Lord. Amen for the light of Jesus. And I got good news where there is failure. Some of you are feeling beat up today. Oh man, I failed again, messed up again. Can I tell you where there is failure? He gives his unconditional love. He loves you no matter what you've done, where you've been. He loves you today. His love is greater, deeper, wider than anything you and I could ever imagine. His love is greater than any sin we've ever committed. His love spans all these things and transcends all these things. And his light drives away the darkness every single time. 
So when you look at the baby Jesus in the arms of Simeon, I want you to see what he saw. What did he see? The one who will enter your darkness, capital O, the one who will enter your darkness, whatever the darkness is for you, and he will drive it away, his light. Now I want to say one more thing. The words that Simeon spoke as he held the baby Jesus were universal in their scope. He said that Jesus came for all people of all races, of all nations, not just some. He didn't just say, notice this, well, hey, now I finally met my personal Savior. That's not what he said. He said, my eyes have seen the one who will save men from the punishment of their sins. You have made him ready in the sight of all nations. Jesus is the Savior of the entire world. Nobody has a corner on Jesus who is saved. Not Protestants, not Catholics, not Baptists, not Methodists, not Pentecostals, not Charismatics, not any other denomination. He came to rescue the entire world. Jesus said the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost, and that's all of us. So Jesus came for everybody. And that's why we're preaching him to everybody. Now, I want to leave you with a major announcement. Here's the announcement. Listen to what Jesus said to you and to me about you and me. And I'm leaving you this for 2015. He said, you are the world's light. Have you ever thought about that? You know, when I was a little boy, I used to be fascinated with fireflies. I was a nature kid. I I, I studied insects and birds and animals and all that. But those fireflies, as soon as spring came, you started first seeing them at dusk. And what did you ask every time you saw a firefly? Here's what you asked. How do they do that? How do they do that? So I want to catch one in a jar and I want to study him and see how in the world do you light up? Can I give you the answer? G-O-D. God lit them up. You know, Pastor, that's not the scientific explanation. Oh, forget science. God did it. God created them. And the Bible says, the Bible says that he made the things we can see to teach us about things we cannot see. So God created so many things that when we look at them, there's a spiritual truth. So I look at those fireflies and I say, look at that. Boop, boop, boop. And they look so incredible, especially when there's a bunch of them lighting up the night, glowing in the dark. You know what I believe God was thinking? He was thinking about believers. Because when you really walk in the spirit and in the love of God and get out there and shine for him, you know what people say? How? How do they do that? How do they have peace in the middle of a storm? How do they have peace with all that's going on around them? How do they have such peace and such love? And such joy, where does it come from? You know why they're asking that? Because you're glowing in the dark and it doesn't make sense because nothing else glows in the dark like that. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, you are children of the light. Kathy and I and Julia were out having fun yesterday. Oh, I'll go ahead and tell you, we went shooting Don't hold it against me, those of you that are against the Second Amendment. We went shooting. I have a cut to prove it. It got me. 
We were out shooting, and we walked by this bench, and here sat this woman, and this woman was sitting there, and right next to her, this teenager, and I looked at the mother, and I looked at the teenager, and they were like twins. I said, well, no doubt about it. That girl is her daughter because she looks just like her. That's genetics. Listen, you've been born again. That means your daddy is God. They, you know, they used to say, who's your daddy? Let me tell you who your daddy is. Your daddy is God. And, and that means, that means that we ought to be a chip off the old block. That means if he's the God of light, then we are children of the light. So if he shines in the dark, we shine in the dark just like him. So say with me, I'm called to glow in the dark. Jesus said, you're the world's light, a city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. He wasn't talking about physical night. He was talking about spiritual night, darkness. He said, don't hide your light. I'm going to let you preach a little bit today. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't hide your light. Now turn to the other side and say, the light looks good on you. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds shine for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. So since he's the light, he was the light, is the light, will always be the light, and we have been born of him, then we are children of the light. And as he shined, we're called to glow in the dark. Can we stand together today? And we're going to have a pre-New Year's prayer. How many of you can say with me, Pastor Jeff, it's very obvious to me, America is slipping into gross darkness. Now, what is the solution? There's only one solution to darkness. It's light. So I want us to pray, God, can you help us to glow in the dark this year? Can you just bow with me and let's lift our hands to the Lord. I'm going to pray for you and for me. What Paul asked would be prayed for him. Father, we come to you as a church. And we ask you, Lord, to give us boldness to shine. Remove from us any embarrassment over the gospel. Any timidity. And give us, Lord, supernatural boldness. Help me to glow in the dark. Can you pray it with me now and say, Lord, help me to glow in the dark. Wherever I go, to glow in the dark, to the glory of God. In the mighty name of Jesus.